Sometimes superintendent ministers feel greatly encouraged by their colleagues. Uh, this one does tonight. As we were walking across there, I said to my two dear colleagues behind me, I hope tonight not to preach for too long, to which the deacon, who shall remain nameless, said we're hoping that too. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. They say a good advert is one that you can remember. Let's try it out. For mash get. Excellent, you saw it as well. Or a very, very un-PC one nowadays. A million housewives every day pick up a can of beans and say, the power of advertising. And some of them don't need music, of course. All you've got to do is say sort of sultrily, if that's a word, and all because the lady loves. Yeah. And so on and so forth. One of my favorites was the long-running line in AA adverts. That's the Automobile Association, not Alcoholics Anonymous, which finished up always with, and I notice you used it this morning, Peter, I don't know but I know a man who does. That little word, but, is a hugely powerful word in the way we use it in the English language. It often moves us from negative to positive directions, and I want this evening to focus upon it briefly in the context of our healing service this evening. But God... The first thought I want is, but God is able to do far more than we can ask or imagine. In Ephesians, a little bit later than the passage Moira read for us, Paul has been writing about all sorts of issues, and he'll go on to write about a whole lot more before the end of chapter 6, about his own life and about the life of the early followers in that Greek city. Paul is clearly himself a prisoner and under some duress. The Ephesians themselves are clearly, if you read the book, beset by all sorts of trials and temptations, both inside the fellowship and in wider society. Paul writes in that book about marriage and temptation, who's acceptable to God and who isn't, about anger, about malice, about slander, about impurity, about obscenity, about drunkenness, and about illness. And then midway through that great letter, he writes this. Now to him who by the power at work in us is able to do far more than we can ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. God is able. We look at our circumstances and all the time in all sorts of ways we say, I can't, but I know someone who can. And he is able. We look inside ourselves and see what's necessary and say, I'll never manage to do that, I can't but I know someone who can, and he is able. One of the things many members of this particular church do 
which is right and proper and I find quite moving, is to give thanks to God for each year that passes. It's a birthday or a wedding anniversary or the anniversary of a loved one who has died. Uh, Susanna this week has been the one among us to celebrate a significant birthday. And I know from talking to her a little while ago, she'll have said to me what she said to many of you, looking back on times sometimes of illness and struggle, but bearing testimony to God's keeping and saving. On this particular time, I declare God is able. When we thought all was lost, God is able. When we're beset by illnesses, serious and long, God is able. And when we pray for healing, God is able. Sometimes it comes through treatment and medicine because God is able. Sometimes it comes through care and love and time because God is able. Sometimes it comes through miracle and recovery. God is able. We can help ourselves, of course. We should. Eating, drinking, weight, diet, sleep, lifestyle, etc. But some people go so far as to suggest that actually we can heal ourselves. And in some important ways, we do by helping ourselves. But God alone can do what we cannot do. Said a grown man to his father about the problem that was besetting his life, in complete frustration. Dad, I've tried everything. No, you haven't, the father says gently. You haven't asked for my help yet. Some of us, you see, assume that because God knows everything, we don't have to ask for anything. But it was Jesus who said explicitly to his followers, ask and it shall be given to you. God is able. God's ableness or ability does not mean that we automatically get what we pray for. Ask and it shall be given to you doesn't mean that the almighty God is somehow at our beck and call for every half-cooked idea we've got. God is not some divine vending machine where we put the right words in and our desired thing comes out of the slap lap at the bottom. We know this because we remember another time in St. Paul's life when he's writing to the Christians in Corinth and he refers to a thorn in the flesh. He writes this, Three times I appealed to the Lord that it would leave me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, and my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I am content with weaknesses, hardships, calamities for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, I am strong. Because he knew that ultimately, God is able. Some of you will remember an old gospel song with this chorus, and I won't try singing this one. I know who I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against this day.
and I remember to this day the effect of a diagnosis of terminal cancer of a key layman in the prime of life in the church where Helen and I were in the late 1980s. Oh, how we prayed and prayed. And I went to his bedside to give him communion, what actually was his last communion because he died just hours afterwards. But as he lay there in bed and he sipped a tiny little bit of the wine I gave him, he said to me, this is the food of eternal life. Sometimes our healing comes through death and God's eternal keeping of us and our loved ones because even then God is able. That marvellous hymn of Isaac Watts comes to mind which I know is a favourite of a number of people in our congregation. I'll praise my maker while I've breath. And... When my voice is lost in death, praise shall employ my nobler powers. My days of praise shall ne'er be passed while life and thought and being last or immortality endures. Because the Christian gospel is about in our living and our dying, God is able. But secondly, and more briefly, God is rich in mercy. Our passage tonight is from another passage to the one I've alluded to from Ephesians, from chapter 2. That's the passage Moira read for us, which reverses our normal way of thinking about life and death. Paul effectively says, you were sinners. You followed the course of this world, you followed the ruler of this world, you were filled with the spirit of the ruler of this world, you lived in the passions of the flesh, you followed your own desires, you were disobedient towards God, you were the children of wrath. In a word, you thought you were alive, but you were in fact dead. You just didn't fully know it or acknowledge it at the time. But then he goes on with these words, which are some of the most powerful in the whole of the New Testament and illustrate just a marvelous way of including the word but. For after all that, Paul suddenly writes, but God who is rich in mercy. God, rich not in wrath, not in revenge, not in anger, rich in mercy. But God, who is rich in mercy, says Paul, out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive with Christ. By grace you have been saved. You are God's handiwork. We may be sick and ill. We may get better. We pray we do. But living or dying, through Christ, God is rich in mercy towards us. 
we who have been made truly alive, but who were once truly dead. And that aliveness transcends human death. One more last word about mercy. This is not because you deserve it, says Paul. It's not because you think yourself better than the person to your right or left. It's not because you're younger than they are and therefore you think you have more right to be saved than they have. It's not because you have a more important job than the person to your left or right or because you're worth more or because you're more gifted or brighter, more intelligent than they are. You see, mercy means pouring out love and life because you desire to do that and because you're just a person who does that. And God is wonderfully, marvelously, unchangeably like that. Rich in mercy. Sometimes in the context of a covenant service such as we're going to share this evening, we hear these words, Lord, I am not worthy to receive you, but only say the word and I shall be healed. So in whatever circumstances we find ourselves tonight, we come to Christ's table, we will take bread and wine, we may take up the offer and opportunity to receive prayers for healing. And as we do so, let's remember that this evening, as always, God is able and is rich in mercy. And in that is our hope tonight, for this life, and for the next. Amen.